opening up episode 225 of Monster Kid Radio with a new song from a new album. It's from the band The Tomorrow Men. The CD is called Futurism. The song is called Parsec's Paradox. It's the first track on their 13-track album that just came out at the beginning of the month. It's an awesome album. I really enjoy it. And this song, which you're going to get to hear in its entirety at the end of this episode, blends the traditional surf sound with some strings. It's really cool. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in this episode. This is Monster Kid Radio. Welcome to the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook, and I'm thrilled to have Ron Adams on the show this time around to talk about all things Monster Bash. Now, longtime listeners of the show, and when I say long time, I mean when you were listening last year, know that I had an incredible time at the Monster Bash convention. Man, I need to get back out to that show more than once. It was such an incredible time. And I got Ron on the show, and I had an opportunity to thank him personally for such an amazing convention. But that's not all. We talked about his background, why he enjoys these kinds of movies, what drove him to create the convention, and what his favorite movie monster is. It's a fun, laid-back conversation, and by the time I was done, I felt even more like Ron was just part of the Monster Kid family. We'll strike that. Ron made me feel more like I was part of the Monster Kid family. I'm eager to get to that conversation with Ron, so let's dive into that right after this. the Earth is invaded by indestructible moon monsters. Their ghastly mission, death for all humans. What astounding technical developments are being made to protect mankind? Robot Monster brings you an actual preview of the devastating forces of our future. Unsuspected revelations of incredible horrors that will terrify you with their brutal reality. There is no escape from me. Very well. I will recalculate. Your death will be indescribable. Fool humans, there is no escape. Enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler. Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune in to B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. Journey to a magical time when demons and heroes battled for the golden treasures and human spoils of forgotten kingdoms. Kill. Kill him. Thrilled to the story of a legendary superhero who fights through all the torments of hell to save the woman he loves from the world's most powerful sorcerer. This is Sinbad's greatest adventure. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. 
She was once a beautiful princess. The sadistic magician shrinks her to the size of a tiny doll. And now, Sinbad must do the impossible to save her. He must destroy a legion of hell-spawned monsters on the death-shrouded island of Colossa. See the flashing death of the living skeleton. See the attack of the giant two-headed bird. See the dance of the cobra woman and feel her deadly slithering embrace. See the spectacular battle between the one-eyed cyclops and the fire-breathing dragon. The incredible magic of Dinorama recreates the enchanted, breathtaking adventure that could never be told before. The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. You know, Monster Kid Radio listeners, I've been to a number of horror conventions over the years, and I've enjoyed every one of them. But last summer, 2014, I went to the convention, the show that... I think makes all the others wish they were better, wish they were Monster Bash. I went to Monster Bash 2014, and the man on the phone with me right now is the man who made it possible, Ron Adams. Welcome to Monster Kid Radio. Oh, thank you so much, Derek. Monster Bash, man, you know, I didn't get a chance to go to the last one, but I'm already looking forward to the next time I'm able to get out there. How long have you been doing the show? Since 97, uh, the first one was, uh, I believe it was, we did it in July in 1997 was the very first one. Wow. What prompted you to start a show like that? Well, how I came up with Monster Bash, and I was driving home from work. I've been working in radio for years and years and years. I was driving home from a radio station in Pittsburgh, and it, 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 from where I live, that's like, it's about an hour drive. So I always had a lot of time just to like, think about things as I was driving. And I'm passing a local mall, Westmoreland Mall in Greensburg, which is kind of like a little past the halfway mark home. And their mm-hmm. marquee, it was night because, uh, uh, you know, it was winter time, I believe. It was like maybe January, February. And it got dark at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So it was already dark, and the marquee was lit up. And I looked up, and I saw the marquee of this mall said, Spring Fashion Show this weekend. And I'm thinking, boy, I sure wish that said Karloff, Lugosi, and Cheney this weekend. I would have been there. <laughs> and and then I was I, I had just recently been reading about the release of the classic monster stamps, and that they were going to be unveiled out in, in California at Universal Studios. Right. And I, I I just started my brain started twisting. I'm like, what if I could get an East Coast unveiling, the West Coast unveilings at Universal? What if I could get an East Coast unveiling here in Western Pennsylvania? And so the very next day, I was on the phone and I was uh, talking to the post office in D.C. And I after I forget how many days it took, but it didn't actually take too long. But I I got. Uh, approval from the post office to do the East Coast unveiling wow. uh, with uh, the convention that I was going to call the Monster Bash. And once that was a green light, I then contacted uh, Forey Ackerman, who put me in contact with uh, Bela Lugosi Jr. and Sarah Karloff and Ron Chaney. And between those four people, we just started it from there and got a handful of more guests. In fact, I remember once I announced it, I remember our local monster guy here in Pittsburgh, Tom Savini, gave me a call and said, I need to be there. I, I just found out about this. And I said, of course, well, you're, you're in. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I think Tom has been, with the exception of one monster bash, has been at every monster bash. I remember one, he had to work up in Canada for some project and couldn't be at one of the monster bashes. But that's how it started. It started with a marquee, and it started with me thinking about the, I'd rather be Karloff, Lugosi, and Cheney, which is indeed what we we did. We got uh, the sons and daughters and grandson of Karloff, Lugosi, and Cheney. And Corey Ackerman was instrumental in getting me in touch with everybody. Wow. You know, I joke that I much rather live in a world in which there's all this amazing monster kid related content just readily accessible and you went out there and made it happen that's amazing well i just i love i love this stuff so much and i have since i was a kid and i found that a lot of people my age i'm in my mid-50s now but we we grew up with music and monsters It, it was like 
the radio was on, probably an AM transistor radio, and I remember I had an old plastic radio on my bedstand. Music was playing, Beatles were probably on, and there I was paging through a famous Monsters magazine and old Marvel comics. And that pretty much is, is what I am, you know, listening to music and reading FM and, and old comic books. And I think a lot of us grew up that same way. And, uh, you know, it's that whole monster kid ball of wax uh, from the uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And we're all grown up now and still loving the stuff. Now, when I went to Monster Bash, there was a presentation and one of the slides, one of the stills, I believe it's a picture of you sitting in front of a tree with a number of monster magazines around you. So you've been reading this stuff for years. Yeah, that's. I remember that. I know what picture you're talking about. That's a a photo of myself and my cousin Doug, probably in about 1967, 68. No, it must have been 69 because I think one of the magazines was uh, the Karloff tribute that FM did, number 56, after he had just passed away. Hmm. So it's probably around 69 or maybe even 70, but probably 69 that that photo was taken. And uh, I've, as far back as I can remember, my mom still has pictures that I drew when I was like four years old. It was dinosaurs that slowly morphed into monsters by the time I was five, probably. So it was dinosaurs <laughs> and, and Frankenstein. And I, I remember when I first grew uh, was growing up in elementary school, I was in Grove City, PA, and my parents moved to State College, PA, when I was eight. But this would have been in Grove City, so it was probably second grade, I'm thinking, that I remember drawing a picture that uh, the teacher posted. Her assignment was, draw a picture from anything you've seen on TV. And I didn't do that. I didn't follow the instructions. I hadn't seen this on TV. In fact, it didn't even exist, but I wanted it to exist. I drew a picture of Frankenstein meets the blob. (laughs) (laughs) And and I remember her asking me about it. And I I told her, I said, it's not a movie that that I've ever seen, but I'd like to see it on TV. And she she was good with that and thought it was, you know, creative (laughs) and probably a very twisted sense. But that's me. (laughs) So I've talked with monster kids who have gone on to become authors, playwrights, actors, sculptors. You went on to become a convention organizer. What is it about monster kids and, and people who love this stuff, in your opinion, that, that makes us want to be creative and can you do to create these things, this artwork, these events in the monster kid style? I think it's probably just the source material, which it's all these, these things we love, the monster stuff, it's, it's imagination. So I think that that is a key component, uh, something that's behind a lot of us people that love monster movies there's a creative angle because the stuff is the stuff of imagination and dreams and nightmares and wishing and hoping and thinking of the future or mm-hmm. thinking of some gothic castle so i think that basically the components of monster movies are very much tied in with imagination and, and creativity so i think the, the stuff we love really just uh, lends itself to be creative. I mean, I was an art student, and I came in from that way, and 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 I was in radio, and that stuff all combined. Where my uh, I learned in radio about promotions and about you know making things bigger than life, and and really loving what you're doing, and being able to put that into a promotion, and then the artwork and drawing monsters and always it all kind of it, it's all just one ball of wax of you know, monster stuff. And I think, you know, and I am not alone, as you point out. Sure. I mean, so many people that love monster movies have gotten into some type of creative outlet for the passion of it. I love it. And I've often wondered, you know, why this particular subgenre has spawned so many creative people in so many different fields. And I think you're right. I think that's a big part of it is it is the stuff of imagination and creativity goes right along with that. Yeah. I had so much fun at Monster Bash when I went. It, it kills me that I didn't get the chance to go to the mummy-themed one. But for listeners who have never heard me talk about it or the B-Movie cast talk about it, because Vince always does an amazing recap when he comes back, how would you describe Monster Bash? For monster kids in the know, I would. this isn't the way I would describe it to someone just in the general public or someone that really <laughs> is just coming into it from, uh, from you know, an outside. Uh, but people that are re- uh, in the know... It's very simple. I, I, Monster Bash 
the way I make it and the way I think it's presented and the way I think it comes off is you're walking into the pages of a 1960s copy of Famous Monsters. You're walking into a live version of that. You know, I want, you know, everyone that comes and, and grew up with that to be excited again, just like you were when you were 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old reading Famous Monsters as a kid. I want that same excitement to come across, and I can remember that excitement, and I try to, to transform that into a, a convention. I mean, I can remember uh, laying on uh, on my bed as a kid with, and was one of those old, I don't, they don't make them anymore, but we had like a bedspread that had these, these little like cotton balls on it. And they, they, it was weird, you know, back then. And I also had a bedspread that had cowboys on it. And I remember just laying there with the new issue of Famous Monsters in my hands and, and the smell of the print and the ink and, and just being so, everything about it, being excited about the Basil Go-Go's cover and uh, looking at the pictures that Forey would present, not only of the great stills from the movies, but of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And, mm-hmm. and anyone that, that uh, has picked up Monster Bash magazine sees the same thing I do with the convention. I try to make that same excitement come across in the magazine, in the convention, because that's, that meant so much to me as a kid. That, that ball of excitement, that energy of, of getting something new about the genre. It was just like, wow, this is, this is so cool. I, I'm so excited. And that's what I, I try to do with the convention and the magazine as well. Do you get a chance to kick back and enjoy the convention? Because every time I saw you last year, you were running around going from booth <laughs> to booth or talking to celebrity guests or doing something. Uh, it was just like Larry Talbot. It is my curse. It is my <laughs> curse. I create this thing to be the absolute convention of that I would love. That it, this is what I'm just lucky enough that there are other people that feel the same way. But I create it to be just the show that I would like to go to and enjoy every second. There's something going on, whether it's a movie, the dealer room, the the weird events. But the, my problem is that I'm so busy running the darn thing. I see the beginning and ending of like every program. I'm and trying to keep stuff on time. I'm trying to keep everyone happy. I'm just running, running, running. So uh, I get to enjoy it, but from a different perspective. My enjoyment of Monster Bash isn't all the programming which I put together, which I would love to enjoy, but it's the fact of people's reaction through the show. And at the end of the show, in particular, people come up to me and say, this is the greatest weekend since I was 12 years old I've ever had. <laughs> and to me, yeah, and to me, that that now is, that's my enjoyment because I, I can't really enjoy the programming. I'm too busy trying to make it all happen. So what comes back to me to really make it worthwhile is, is people saying that what I've tried to create has worked. And, that, and that's, that to me just means so much when someone, even if it's it's in passing, someone will be flying past me or I'll be flying past them and they'll say, love this weekend. This is great. It's great. That to me, that sticks with me. It might be just a passing comment, but I'm so happy when someone says that because that's what was intended. It really is a heck of a time. I had so much fun. And, you know, I skew a little bit uh, so younger, and I, I think there are some younger people that keep coming to the bash as well. And even if you didn't grow up reading Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, if you're a fan of these types of movies, you're going to find so much to do. By the time you're done, you're going to feel like you ran around just like Ron did because there is so much <laughs> movies and presentations and speakers and interviews. It's just an amazing time. I know I didn't get it all in. I, I created for, you know, for people that, uh, or, or for me that, that of the kind of stuff I love back in that time period. But if you do like the movies, it still works because what I'm doing is trying to make these movies, uh, first interesting in regards that you find out information about stuff you might not know with people like Greg Mank or Tom Weaver mm-hmm. or Frank Delistrito, but also to make them fun. And I think that's what's missing from a, a lot of different shows that I do as a vendor. You know, it's there and it's a, it's a place to shop, but it, I like to try and make everything somehow interwoven fun, like as if you're living in that movie too, you know, besides finding out about it. that You know, we have, we've come, some of the things we've done are uh, like, we'll have, uh, go on and put six foot King Kong footprints through the parking lot. 
when we ran Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein on the big screen outside, we had uh, Ron Chamberlain, the makeup guy, do makeups of all the monsters you see at the beginning, the, the silhouettes walking across the screen, and we actually had all those monsters walk across simultaneously as you saw them on the screen in front of the screen outside. Uh, we did, my wife, who is, uh, I must thank her to the bottom of my uh, uh, toes about how tolerant she is. She didn't grow up with this stuff, but she <laughs> she's been so tolerant and to the point of she put on a, a shock white wig and had herself made up to look like the creepy witch in the basement of House on Haunted Hill. And when we screened that movie inside, we pulled her on a, uh, a little platform thing, just like they did, William Castle did in the movie, across in front of the screen with their hands as claws, just like it is. And, uh, you know, the, the crowd loved it. And, you know, she never experienced that as a kid like most of us did, seeing House on Haunted Hill. But... Uh, She's a real trooper, and with those are just some of the things we do. We try to you know draw people into to being part of the movie as well as enjoying the movie itself. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine that that just sounds like a blast. Ron, what's your favorite monster? Oh uh, yeah, uh, people have asked me that, and I and I do it definitively. It is the Frankenstein monster, and that's okay. my personal favorite. I, I do find from conventions and from emails and the product too that it seems like that the creature from the Black Lagoon is the uh, favorite monster overall. I, it's just amazing the power of that monster. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there you go. But for me, it's always been the Frankenstein monster. That's, you know, just my favorite classic monster. Do you remember which of the Frankenstein films you saw first? Yeah, I believe it was Abbott Alone Frankenstein. Oh, really? Um, I believe, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was that because, again, I was very young and probably my parents wouldn't me to see one of the scarier ones. So I'm pretty sure it was on Pine Street in Grove City, PA, when I was about five, seeing Abbott Costello and Frankenstein uh, on TV. Wow. And prior to that, I had uh, gotten the Aurora model for the Frankenstein monster. Uh, I remember begging my parents after seeing it to sidetrack a bit, I think the merchandising came first before the movies, actually. Uh, I, I got to associate with the monsters or familiar with them through the, all the kid merchandising and comic books. But there was a street sale in Grove City, PA, when I, I it was about 1963, 64, back when the long box Auroras were first, you know, making waves. And I saw the Frankenstein monster long box. And I, I was begging my parents, and they're like, oh, it's, I think they were saying, like, it's too much money. It was probably, I don't know, 98 cents or something back then. <laughs> but uh, then weeks later, uh, I did some chores. I forget what they were. Some chore my mother had asked me to do. And she said, you know, thank you for doing that. I appreciate you doing whatever, whether, whether it was helping her with garbage or doing some chore. I, the chore is forgotten, but what the result was isn't, which she said, you know what, for doing that, go look under mom and dad's bed. And I looked under there, and there was the Frankenstein long box Aurora model. And I was, I remember just being beside myself. I wanted that so bad. And then my dad helped me assemble it in the basement and uh, paint it. And uh, a great um, bonding with the Frankenstein monster in more ways than one. Wow. Do you still have the model? Oh, no, but I've since, of course, re like everyone, rebuying their childhood. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had to go, I don't know if anyone listening has, has seen the uh, the video Flip, or if you have, uh, uh -huh. Derek, it's it's a, a cartoon, well, a live-action slash cartoon thing where this kid uh, gets that seven-foot Frankenstein and is disappointed, you know, used to see it in ads back in the in the day and he's disappointed when it comes and it's only a piece of plastic with a string and then you see and spoiler alert that at the end here he is grown up and he's paying uh, hundreds of dollars to get the thing he didn't even like as a kid because he <laughs> had such fond memories of it but uh yeah you know i mean i've gone back the the soaky toys which are those the shampoo came in them and uh, or the bubble bath Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've reclaimed those and lots of things. There's only a very few things that survived. It moved a lot when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. One of the things that did survive was something called the Mattel Monster Maker, including the original box where, you know, you actually poured molds like creepy crawlers 
but uh, you actually made, they had little motors, and you actually made walking monsters, which is, that survived. Wow. So, Sorry, I'm rambling no, so much. I, no, I, no, I this is great. I go and go. <laughs> no, this is great. This is great. So for you, it's Frankenstein's monster. For me, it's the Gill Man. Mm-hmm. What monster do you think doesn't get enough credit? Which one do you wish you saw more of out there, either merchandise-wise or people dressing up as? More movies? Uh, well, I know my friend Dan Weber, who helps with the conventions, would say The Invisible Man, and, and I, I love The Invisible Man. But I think it really it's The Mummy, and that's what we are, our show this last summer was about, The Mummy. Uh, where we themed about that. It was about you know, lots of things. But, but the reason I say The Mummy is he always is just below the top tier of your Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman creature. The Mummy's just at the bottom of that tier. And then so many people always complain, oh, man, The Mummy's no good. You know, you, you, all you got to do is run away from him. But I've always loved The Mummy and, and think that uh, he does, doesn't get his just due because you have to sleep sometime, and that mummy's still coming. He might not be fast, <laughs> but he's still coming for you. He's still coming. He's not sleeping. <laughs> so I, I always like the mummy, and I, I think that he doesn't get his due as much as a lot of the other monsters. <laughs> he doesn't have to take bathroom breaks. <laughs> right. He's, he's coming. He's still coming to get you. <laughs> Uh, I, if I can digress one, I remember my uncle who just recently passed away. He had always told me stories about when he was a kid seeing the Mummy movies first run back in the in the 40s, uh, the Cars movies. And he told me back then when he was you know 12 years old going to the theater that the Mummy scared the heck out of him. He said he, he had to walk home past all these hedges. Whenever they would rustle, he could swear that Cars was on the other side of those hedges. And, you know, it just goes to show, you know, I mean, it's all, I think, a, a perspective and a point of view. The mummy can be darn scary. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was going to ask, is it Imhotep or Karis for you? It sounds like Karis, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and I know I go against the grain. And I do this in a lot of cases of, of all the critics and all the people that love you know, the first Mummy movie, I, I love the Cars films. Yes. I love every single one of them. And my favorite is the first Cars film, which is The Mummy's Hand with Tom Tyler. Mm-hmm. And when you see that Don Fulton effect of the eyes kind of blacked out and glowing, that just creeped me out as a kid, and I still love it. I, just, I, I love the Cars movies. Well, that first one specifically, I love the Cars films too, but that first one specifically, it's got a great cast. I mean, Tom Tyler's great, but you've also got all the other human characters around him. It's a great, fun, oh, kind yeah. of serial-like type film with some incredible pacing, some great sets, and just the look of the mummy. I think you're right. He deserves more credit. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it has everything. It's got, not only is it a horror movie, it's comedic, it's got lots of action and adventure. It, it works on a lot of levels. It, great characters. It just works. It really works. Now, with the mummy-themed or the mummy-inspired Bash, you played a lot of mummy movies. The one that I went to, it seems like there's a theme or, or a, an inspiration behind each Bash. Is that something that you've always done, or is that something that's become more recent? No, it was kind of done, done it, even from the beginning with the stamps being the theme at the very first one. Mm-hmm. But it's funny, I'll come up with a theme, and in fact, I have lots that I'd still love to do. There's not enough time to do enough batches, I think, with all the themes in my head. But sometimes <laughs> it changes uh, with suddenly, you know, I'll start with this theme, and then I've got this guest and this this guest and this guest, and they all kind of tie into this. So it, it sometimes it kind of like morphs on it. It almost has a, a life of its own. I'll start with an idea, and then the guest or events or something that happens in in, in the field, like say there's a bunch of books released on, on some particular form of the genre, and it, all of a sudden it'll start morphing <laughs> on its own. It just has a life of its own and starts, you know, taking on its its own theme. But it usually starts with a you know with something, and sometimes it. That, that original theme lasts all the way through, and sometimes it morphs into something of blob-like proportions. <laughs> you said there's not enough time for all these matches. You recently added a second show. You now do it twice a year, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a glutton for punish. I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> uh, so many people have, uh, have, you know, have said that you've know, you, you got to do this and you got to do that. I, I'm just trying to fit it all in while I, I'm still capable of doing bashes so i'm doing two a year just there there are so many guests that i want to have that 
you know, they're, everyone's getting older and, you know, how much longer can you get certain people? And there's so many ideas for different theme bashes. And so I'm just trying, trying to, to keep up with doing two a year now just to get more out there, you know, and I'm hoping that uh, maybe my, maybe my daughter down the road will take over when I'm, <laughs> when I'm shambling like cars and, uh, <laughs> So we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, there's just so many themes and so many things I want to do. There's just not enough. I could do a bash a week if, if, if it wouldn't kill me. But um, there's just so many fun things to think of and do and, and theme around. Do you have a theme in mind for the next October show? It's funny. There's a perfect case of where it's kind of morphing a little bit because it, it, it started as the made-for-TV monster bash. And I was kind of thinking I had a lot of for those early 70s, you know, made-for-TV movies and doing a theme around that. But then all of a sudden, I, I got Anne Serling, who is Rod's daughter, and The Twilight Zone is one mm-hmm. of my favorite. It is my favorite all-time TV show. And so then we started, you know, okay, well, just TV in general that involves monsters. And, and then all of a sudden, we got uh, Barbara Steele, who had canceled on us a couple times before is in, and I, and I wouldn't didn't want to turn her down because uh, I love Barbara Steele. So we've got that angle going too. So it's kind of morphing to be uh, a little more of a general show. But the, the theme is the Monster Bash Zone, and we will have a lot of classic monsters on TV. But then also tying in people like Barbara Steele in regards to that was late night TV when I was a kid. They showed movies on TV that were those European ones, those ones that, uh, mom and dad, I'm glad they're sleeping because I'm watching this Barbara Steele Italian movie and they wouldn't like me watching this. <laughs> and so there's, you know, it all kind of fits anyway, but it's, you know, as far as the TV kind of thing, because mm-hmm. a lot of us saw that stuff for the first time on TV, not in theaters. Some of those European films never even, you know, made it to the theatrical runs. They just went straight to TV. So it's, it's the theme for this October is the Monster Bash Zone, which will be, you know, monsters in general. Of course, always our classic monsters, but th- there's going to be a, a TV element, which will be neat. And uh, Derek, do you want a big scoop? Ooh. you want a scoop for Monster Kid Radio here? Sure. I haven't put this on the Internet yet. The only place I've mentioned some of it was at this past uh, summer's Monster Bash, and that's the guest for next June. Uh, What's well, actually going to be July because the PGA Tour is coming through our area, and wouldn't you know, right on our weekend that we normally have Monster Bash, and so I had to move the bash next year. Next summer's bash will be July 8, 9, and 10. Okay. Uh, but the theme is going to be the Monster Kids of the Golden Age. It started with, because I, I got a great guest, Greg Moffat, who is the kid from Robot Monster, one of the all-time favorite bad monster movies of all time. Oh, wow. And... Tom Weaver told me, you know what? Greg's sister was in movies too. And I'm like, really? What? He goes, well, she was in The Body Snatcher with Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. She's a little girl that's in the wheelchair that wants to walk again. It likes the horse, the white horses. And I'm like, you're kidding me. So I talked to Greg about his sister and he's like, well, she doesn't really, she's never done a show and she really doesn't like that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, could you ask her? And he did. She said, no. So then uh, she actually is a minister at a church in Pittsburgh, right here locally. I didn't even know that. And so then I said I would make a huge donation to her church if she would come to Monster Bash. And so she agreed. So we have Sharon Moffat, the little girl from The Body Snatcher, coming too. And we also have Jimmy Hunt coming back. He's a Bash favorite. He's the kid from Invaders from Mars. And Charlie Herbert, another Bash favorite from 13 Ghosts and The Fly and many other things. And uh, I'm working on um, hoping we'll get Richard Iyer, too, from the genie from the seventh voyage of Sinbad. And so it's going to be seen with the kids from the movies. Now, there was a sidebar here where I was talking to Greg Moffat, the kid from Robot Monster. He did say Claudia Barrett might be interested in doing your show, and she is the lead actress. She wasn't a kid back then, but she was the lead actress from Robot Monster. And she has agreed to come too. So we've got a Robot Monster theme and the, and the kids of the Golden Age, the monster kids of the Golden Age for, for next uh, next summer. Well, I've got to get back to Monster Bash. I had so much fun when I went, and I'd like to share with you personally my one of my favorite experiences from Monster Bash. I want to thank you because thanks to your convention, I was able to meet 
one of my, if not my favorite actress of all time. I'm talking about Julie Adams. Oh, yeah. And she was a doll. She was amazing and sweet and kind. She did an interview with me for the podcast. She put up with me fawning all over all the photos she had and asking her to sign things. And just, she was wonderful. And that would have never happened if it wasn't for the bash. Ah, well, well, thank, thank you for mentioning that. And, and Julie is just, she's so terrific. What a nice, nice person. And, uh, and being a creature fan, I, I'm sure you talked to Rico Browning too. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, well, thank you. And that's, those are the, like the kind of things that people thanking me for, you know, putting them in touch with people. That's the kind of thing. That's what makes it worthwhile for me because I'm usually too busy at Bash to, to enjoy it other than just put it on. And it's just having everyone have a good experience with their, with their monster memories. It really is a treat. And the people that you bring in, they're so kind and warm and welcoming. It's unlike any convention that I've ever been at. Do you have any advice for anybody who is at one of your shows and they want to meet one of the stars that you've brought in? Uh, well, again, it's just, uh, it's, we just try to make it easy and, ex- and everyone accessible. And you mentioned about the feel of the show. Uh, I, I always consider it like a big uh, monster kid picnic. It's just people that love monster <laughs> movies. We're just, a, we're, it's like a summer picnic with your family, people you might not see all the time, but everyone's family. And, and I would say, you know, People like us, we might have grown up in different cities, but we all have these similar experiences with these movies and and loving these movies, and that's the tie, and that's what makes us all family, a monster family. And uh, I also have to give credit to um, all my staff. I mean, it goes people that have been been with me since 1997 and, and all the people that have jumped on board since, people like Bob Pellegrino and Dan Weber and Leonard Hayhurst and Barb Heisen. I, I don't want to leave people out because it just goes on and on. Jerry Armolino, and it just goes on and on and on. Uh, all these people that help me that are in orange shirts at Monster Bash, the staff, they're, they're my family and, and my best friends, and they really help make it feel like a family picnic. You know, we try to have everyone have a good time, and uh, and that's I think the feel of Bash is just a, a, family, a monster family picnic for everybody. You know, you read my mind, Ron. I was going to say that you talk about it being a big family, and I was going to say your staff feels like a big family. Everybody is so friendly, and if you need help finding something, they're there. They know where you want to go before you do, and they're able to help get you there. They're the best people in the world. They really are. It really is a treat. Ron, thank you so much for making Monster Bash happen. It really was a dream of mine to go, and when I finally got a chance to go, it... Well, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to use the words. It changed my life, man. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thank you. Those are great words. Thank you so much. And you, you said towards the beginning of this interview that everyone is, that loves these movies have done their own creative thing. And here you are doing your creative thing with Monster Kid Radio. And it's, it's great. And my best to you. And, and keep it going. We all have to keep that torch burning for, the, for uh, this area, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a subgenre that needs a lot of attention and love. And, and I love giving it to it. So. All right. Well, thank you, Derek. Appreciate it. Okay, I want to send people over to your website, which is creepyclassics.com, to learn more about Monster Bash all year round. Yep, and, and the actual, if you want to go directly to the Monster Bash site, it's just uh, monsterbash.us, www.monsterbash.us. You can buy merchandise all year round, the Monster Bash magazine, DVDs and videos of previous batches. I own almost every one of them. <laughs> A number of movies and products, so... People, check it out. There will be links in the show notes to this. And, Ron, we'll have you on the show down the line if there's time. I know you're a busy man, but we'll, we'll invite you back. Oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to do it whenever I can. All right. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. You heard the man. Go to monsterbash.us to learn everything you need to know about the Monster Bash convention. October 16th through the 18th this year is Monster Bash Zone. It's got that Twilight Zone TV horror feel. And then next year... July 8th through the 10th. The kids of all of these awesome... Man, I gotta get back out there. Monsterbash.us. Check it out. Tell them that Monster Kid Radio sent you. And Ron, again, thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to chat with us here on the show. And I meant it. We're gonna have you back on the show down the line. Oh, and you know, after we got done with the recording, I had another question for Ron that I had forgot to ask him during the interview. Fortunately... My recorder was still going. Oh, can I ask you a quick question, actually, before I let you go? I heard a rumor. Blue Demon Jr.? Is this somebody you're bringing in? 
Oh, geez, yeah, I didn't even mention yet for uh, October, this October show. Yeah, he's 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 on. Yeah, that's that's another of the bizarre morphing that goes on out of the blue. One of my staff guys, Tom, he said, "Hey, I've been in contact with Blue Demon Junior. Can you believe it?" I said, "Really? Can you give me his contact? Let's get him for Bash." And sure enough, he's he's in for. And in fact, we're going to do all my crazy ideas. We're going to do a facsimile wrestling Mexican wrestling match on stage at Bash late night on Friday. Uh, we have oh. two of our staff guys are going to be masked uh, wrestlers, and uh, they're we're building a ring. And it's going to be, it's just going to be insane. We're going to you know give out the free tacos and burritos that we always do, then run a movie, mm. and then we're going to actually do a wrestling match on stage. So it'll be it'll be nutty fun. Is that something I can talk about on the show, or is it still no, in planning stages? No, no, sure, yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Oh, man. That's, I love me a Mexican monster movie and the Mexican wrestlers are amazing. Uh, and, uh, and I watch a little bit of Lucha Libre and yeah, that's yeah. a whole, whole different little subgenre of our subgenre. And I, I didn't discover it till maybe 10 years ago that there's all these Mexican monster movies and Mexican monsters meeting wrestlers. And it's, it's a hoot. I, I love this stuff. Even though I don't speak Spanish, the, the plots are so simple. I just have fun watching this stuff. It's the international language of wrestling. Yeah, exactly. You got, you got wrestlers, you got a monster, you got a mad scientist. You don't need anything else. <laughs> yeah, really. Do you need to know what they're saying? Come on. Yeah, really. Oh, man, that's amazing. All right, man, I'm going to let you go. But again, thank you so much. I'll probably put this out within the next couple of weeks. Okay, great. Thank you, Derek. Blue Demon Jr. at Monster Bash. And I love me a Mexican monster movie. I think that's clear to anybody who knows me. I love my Lucha Libre mixed with my monsters. It's just a blast. Blue Demon Jr., the son of the legendary Blue Demon who was in so many of these movies. Monster Bash just keeps getting better and better. from Mars. He saw them land from outer space. He saw them capture innocent people only to destroy. <laughs> Father turned against son. People changed into strange, weird animals. A general of the army becomes a saboteur. Trusted police turned into arsonists. The boy's parents changed into killers. But nobody's getting anywhere out there. Nobody can locate anything. Anybody. The Martians. We've got to start the... Invaders from Mars. Capturing humans at will for their own sinister purposes, turning them into diabolical instruments of destruction. <laughs> Invaders from Mars, weird, fantastic beings of a superintelligence, ruling a race of synthetic humans and pitting them against mankind's dream to conquer the universe. Come on, step on it. Search every tunnel. we got to find Ronaldo in the kid. When the colonel gives the signal, get back here on the double. White Zombie, a new novelization of the classic horror movie from award-winning author Stephen D. Sullivan. Available now in print and all ebook formats. Find it on Amazon, Smashwords, drive Through Fiction, and other quality outlets. Also available in a special edition, including the complete movie script. Grab White Zombie before it grabs you. Details at sdsullivan.com. I'd like to thank the Tomorrow Men again for allowing us to play their music here on the show. We've played them on the show in the past, but this is our new album, and I wanted to help promote the album, which is called Futurism. 
Band members Mycroft, Eloy, Lazarus, Longfellow, Skiles, Angstrom, and Gromit X have concocted, crafted, and cut 13 new tracks of ultra-melodic, hyper-effervescent, non-stop surf instro rock, which capture the exhilarating cosmos-trotting experience of barnstorming at breakneck speed throughout time from 1963 to 3063 and back again without a breath between. I love this album. It is so much fun, like good surf music should be, but it transcends that. Like I said, the song Parsex Paradox, the song that we opened this episode with, which you're going to hear in a second, it blends some strings, it's got some melodies, and from their press release, they call it a Baroque Venetian cloudburst, and I think that's probably the best way to put it. Before you get to hear the song, though, I want to tell you about MonsterKidRadio.net. This is where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes. Of course, there's links to everything that we've talked about here on this episode, as well as previous episodes of the podcast. You're going to find links to every song that's appeared here on the show. You can also find our Patreon page, where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show that way, we have patrons kicking in anywhere from $0.35 cents to $10 a month to help keep the show going, pay for hosting costs, and everything else that goes along with the podcast. And depending on the level at which you become a patron, you might get yourself some sweet rewards, like the Monster Kid Radio Care Package. Some people who have been supporting the show at the universal level, you're going to start getting your care packages here very soon. Our contact information is also over at monsterkidradio.net. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. And I know that voicemail line works because we got a voicemail from Stephen D. Sullivan. I'm not going to play it this time, but allow me to give you a little tease. Stephen D. Sullivan was calling in response to episode number... 212, which was from last June. That was the episode in which the Mimiverse monster maker Mitch Gonzalez and I discussed our top three favorite movie robots. Stephen D. Sullivan called in with his own list, and we're going to go over that on episode 226 of Monster Kid Radio, which will be coming out here in a couple of days. However, the bulk of that episode is going to be what I'm calling how to make a Monster Kid Radio. One of our milestones over on our Patreon page is if we get to a certain level, I'll put out a special behind-the-scenes episode of Monster Kid Radio in which I'll reveal all the secrets. Pull back the podcast curtain. Okay, there really aren't that many secrets, but I'm going to go through my production process and have a little bit of fun along the way, and I think you guys and gals will dig that. So that's coming up here in a couple of days. I hope you come back for that. If you listen to us through iTunes, thank you for giving us a review. If you are a user of Facebook, thanks for sharing our posts. If you're a Twitter user, thanks for retweeting everything. I don't know what people do on Google+. Plus. They re-plus them or whatever. Thank you for helping to spread the word about Monster Kid Radio. The more listeners, the more downloads, the higher we get on the iTunes rankings or something. I don't know how any of that works. I just know that I like having more Monster Kid Radio listeners, especially if you're on Facebook, because this is where we run an exclusive poll. Head over to Facebook, look up the Monster Kid Radio group, get involved because there's a new poll going up as soon as this episode drops. And it was inspired by something that Ron Adams said about the creation of Monster Bash. The origin of the convention had to do with the release of the U.S. stamps that featured some of our favorite classic monsters. We had Frankenstein's monster, the mummy, the wolfman, Dracula, and the Phantom of the Opera. That's only five. There are so many other classic movie monsters. So this poll asks Facebook users, what other monsters would look really good on a U.S. postage stamp? We'll run that for about a month or so. And of course, release the results of that poll in an upcoming issue of the Monster Rally Checkpoint, which is our e-newsletter, which you can sign up for over at monsterkidradio.net. Why don't we go ahead and wrap up? I want to get back to the Tomorrow Men. Before I go, I want to remind everybody that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Parsecs paradox that belongs to the tomorrow men you can find it on their album futurism you can find the tomorrow men over at bandcamp by going to the tomorrowmen.bandcamp.com or you can just find their website which is at tmensurf.com talk to everybody in a couple of days <laughs> 